Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. Imagine making a difference. No, imagine being the difference. The difference between I can't and I can or I won't and I will. The reason someone chooses to wake up and strive for greatness. In life, it can feel like everything is working against you. Let's defy all odds and break generational curses. This is Overstepping Poverty with Daquan and Zacchaeus. Welcome back to Overstepping Poverty. The podcast that provides you with tips, tricks, and hacks in overstepping poverty. My name is Daquan Brooks, and I'm here with my co-host, Zakia Shaw. How you doing, Zakias? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing really good. I got to hang and, and be around a lot of great people today. It's always good. So every other week, I get to meet with a group of people that are either business owners or entrepreneurs or you know people that work off referrals, and it's nice to come together and share more about our life other than just business mm-hmm. um, because we find that a lot of times they're going through a lot of the similar things you know it's different but we're always able to give people some advice or a different point of view perspective yeah and i think that's important you know that people need but so that was really nice to do that it had been a few weeks since i got to do that and just finding a balance back at work now that the baby's home so yeah that's was, amazing. Yeah, That's, how are you? I'm doing good as well. I think just that mastermind group that you guys have. Um, I am a part of the group as well. I just haven't been able to make it just being on yeah. Tuesdays. It's it's definitely something that I'd like to try and start working on my schedule so that I can be there because um, it's definitely something that's important to me. Obviously, yeah. uh, the group itself, you, myself, uh, Wesley, Albert, we all came together and we're like, this is something that Sioux Falls needs, you know, Mm -hmm. just not only for us, of course, but other people. So then they can truly realize um, that they're not alone when it comes to being in this city and needing, if you ever need someone or you need to turn to someone, you have someone that is not only just like-minded like you, but also ensures that um, they're on the right path and journey just like you are. So uh, definitely need to make it there. Uh, Other than that, just, uh, I'm great. I'm great. We just, we just had Thanksgiving um, and I was able to host Thanksgiving. You know, you know, I love hosting things, whether, yeah, seriously, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, food events, obviously Thanksgiving is definitely all about the food and it's also about giving, but just to have family, friends all around you, I think that's just a, a different level. And especially mm-hmm. when it's in your home, you know, right. so, uh, I definitely Team really enjoyed that. Yes. Yes. I didn't even get to that. I didn't even get to that Let's yet. Go, baby. Yo, yo, yes. Uh, team boy over here. Uh, we had our, uh, our gender reveal at Thanksgiving and everyone, they kept saying the same thing. <laughs> it's going to be a girl. It's yep. going to be a girl. You know, I was like, nah, no, no, it's going to be a boy. It's yep. going to be a boy. And I talked that into existence. You know what I'm saying now? And I have a little baby boy coming in April. So yep. let's go. But just so you guys know out there, I'm not against team girl. It's just, I had to make a decision. Everyone always asks, but at the end of the day, no matter what, you know, whether it's a girl or a boy, as long as they're healthy, yep, you know, sure. that's, that's what we look for, but absolutely, bro. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to get into our podcast today. Another episode with another great guest. And, you know, he was actually at that group this morning and 
he said something in the group that made me think of the podcast. And it's like, you know what? He's right. I, he, he said, you know, it's dope that there's people that will help people use their voice essentially, you know, mm-hmm. cause there's so many people out here that have something to give, you mm-hmm. know, and there's so many people out here that they don't really have that outlet, you know, and a lot of times people don't feel heard. So, um, you know, with us having people come on the podcast, I think it's really cool to let them shine their light on what they're doing and what they're going to be able to contribute to society and stuff like that. So today I'm excited to have on a special guest named John Milk. Yeah, let's go. Welcome, welcome. Hey, I appreciate y'all having me for real. Like it's it's been a manifestation. We're talking about like speaking this in existence. I've been manifesting this for about six months mm-hmm. straight. I said, I'm going to be yeah. on this podcast, man. Like, I feel like I'm overstepping poverty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I got an idea. I feel like I do have a voice. And and now it's validated. It's it's coming full circle. Like, everything I've said in this past couple of years is now coming into fruition. And, yeah, bro, it's hitting. Like, that's, that's, that's the thing where it's exciting. So, yeah, thank you guys for real. <clears throat> Absolutely. Thank you. I mean, I honestly... At the end of the day, like we don't have a podcast if it's not with our guests, you know, I mean, we can, we can definitely sit and talk to each other, but I think the stories that are shared on this podcast is just so much more valuable than just Zacchaeus and I talking, Mm -hmm. you know, because we have another person that comes here and they're able to be, they're able to bring value to this podcast and bring value to the individuals that are listening to this, you know, and they can connect to different people in different ways. So, you know, I I appreciate you thanking us for having you on, but truly thank you for being on, you know, it takes Uh, a lot of, a lot of courage to come on here. So I appreciate it. (laughs) No, I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on as well. And it's, I met you a little over a year ago and we were in the same Leaders of Tomorrow course. Yeah. Uh, through Think 3D Solutions. And honestly, I got to see a, a light and a side of you from observation, you know, because we didn't know each other before that at all. Right. So I got to see you be vulnerable in a group and a class in front of people and, you know, talk about where you were at and, uh, you know, all the things that you wanted out of life. And you were sick of being surrounded by people that didn't want anything right. more than what they were right. at, you know. So getting into the podcast, I want to start, you know, from the beginning. I okay. want you to take us back to the beginning, you know, some of your earliest moments and take us through your upbringing. How did how did we, you know, start from little, little milk yeah. to big milk? A little, little half pint. Yeah. <laughs> I guess getting into it. Late 80s, small town, you know what I mean? Yep. My mom's whatever. We don't know what she is. She's mixed, right? She classifies herself as being white or Caucasian. I'm not sure how, whatever box she checked. Uh, my dad's native, you know, and he was raised by a single mother. So that idea. And then plus, I believe there was a lot of residential school involvement. My aunt and my dad went. I believe my grandma went. So that residential school thing with... And again, we'll probably get into that a little bit later, but that effect that it had on my family was uh, an instant, like, you could feel it. It was direct. Mm-hmm. It was direct. You can definitely feel the misplaced 
anger, misplaced emotions, and then closing off these emotions and never speaking about them. My grandma didn't talk about a lot. Right. You know what I mean? She was focused on the, what was the next move? How are we getting by? What are we going on? You know what I'm saying? And then how are you going to try to control my father while controlling me? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it was one of those things, bro. Like it got, got pretty hectic pretty quick. Um, and, and for those people that aren't aware of what he means by residential school, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is more so of the boarding schools that they yeah, yeah, had yeah. that they would take native children away from their families and the reservations and put them in these boarding right. schools and teach them the American way. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and sorry that. No, you're good. Yeah, I just and, wanted and they, to clarify and, for yeah, people yeah. out there that, yeah, that aren't aware. and viewers, yeah. Um, so with that, again, it's not something that spoke about. It's not. I remember growing up that that was a threat as a child. I'm talking about like eight years old, you being bad. Like, you're going to go to Flandreau. Like, we're going to send you there. Mm. One time digging around in my grandma's room, like, I found the applications, bro. My name was on it. I was like, ooh. But then, again, so that's shortly after just being in small town Yankton is just, you're either on this side or you're on that side, pretty much what it seemed like, right? Either you were born with or you were born without. And then with that idea, with that poverty-stricken mentality that we didn't know what these words were then, so how do you identify that? That's just life, right? The struggle's right. real. We talk about that all the time. That's, mm-hmm. It is what it is, bro. The struggle's real. Cool. So then with the struggle comes crime. With the struggle comes addiction. With the struggle comes abuse. And suffering through abusive, toxic, you know, and you can't blame. And that's the worst thing. Like, I've learned a lot, like, within these past few years that, like, there's a reason, but then you can't blame, but then you can't excuse it. So it sounds like a contradiction, right? Yeah. And a lot of things today, I'll, it's going to sound like a contradiction, but it makes sense. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I can't blame or fault my parents for what happened to them and how right. they raised me, right? But if they don't take ownership, then that's on them as well. So then, you know what I mean? What are you doing? If you knew better, you'd do better, right? Mm-hmm. And the right. fact that maybe they don't know, that's where... I look back on it today, like, well, maybe they don't know. And if right. they did, maybe they'd do something different. So the moment I found out that, you know, I could know, I guess, hold on, let me back up. We're still in the beginning, right? So we'll just get to that. So then, you know, crime, you know, low income. Yeah. I swear. Were like, you in a single parent household? Growing up, yeah. So my mom left early, right? She left super early with my big brother. Okay. And the story was that, so I'm a child of like, we got numerous brothers and sisters, right? Different generations of kids or whatever. Yeah. Like different versions, my dad says, because you got different baby moms, right? So then I'm the middle child technically. Okay. But in my dad's eyes, because like my my mother told him that my brother wasn't his. Sure. So in my dad's eyes, it was some crooked thing about like, well, he's mine, but he ain't mine. So this is my firstborn, right? So I got that title automatic growing up. I was my grandma's favorite. It's, it was a constant thing. You know, I'm the right. firstborn. I'm John Milk. And then, like, even how I introduce myself, right? I'm John Milk. I'm not just John. I'm John Milk. Right. Like, you could leave John out of it for all I care. But I'm still, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. From that, you know, being in that environment, having to deal with drugs and, and right. traumatic experiences and stuff like that. Right. You're growing up in Yankton. Yeah. What was it like once you started getting to a point where... You you were getting, you know, maybe into high school. No, nah, bro. Like, early on, I got in trouble. Like, it was... So, like, we didn't even get to high school yet. Okay. So, as a juvenile and adolescent, right, 
again, I, I feel like I was already fast forwarded into the, like punishment wise because of my dad's experience. Right. He was, yeah. he was known for drugs. He was known to be selling drugs. He was known in the town for this. There's only so many people in Yankton. Right. Right. So then with that and his friendships that he created and his relationships that are still true to this day. Right. Like you got that different look. Right. So again, hanging out with the other bad kids that didn't really have parents doing what they're supposed to be doing. Like, we fall into the crime. We fall into acting up. We fall into car hopping. Like, yep. and my mm-hmm. thing was that I was never, uh, I always got in trouble for not being home or something. <laughs> like uh-huh. it was something weird like that. You know, right. it wasn't too crazy, but then like I was the center of attention. Cause I don't know how Yankton really was like, but from my scope, there was only so many native families. You know what I mean? Right. Back in then, like in the early nineties, there was only so many in Yankton. Right. And we knew them all. It seemed like, right. Mm-hmm. And then, so we were targeted a lot. It felt like even in school, it was like, bro, something happened and we were acting up. No, and that doesn't negate nothing I was doing, right? But like, right. I felt like if I was a different kid or if I was a white kid, the punishment would have been different. It, uh-huh. didn't, it didn't fit. It fit for me, it seemed like, because yeah. again, you don't understand racism and systematic oppression when you're a child. So like, mm-hmm. one time I, we got out early for a snow day or something like that. And, my, and this is in middle school, bro. My brother pushed me into a pop machine. His friend pushed me into a pop machine. I bounced off it. I turn around and throw my cousin in the pop machine. The white girl say some stuff like he was beating them all up. He threw them all in that. And they, they were intentionally, I was like, bro, mm-hmm. I got arrested for destruction of property. Like I got expelled from, or not expelled, but like suspended from school for a little bit. It was a whole thing, bro. When you read, read the report, I'm like, damn, they really paint me to be some kind of criminal. Right. And that became my story. Like mm-hmm. they're always painting me to be some kind of criminal. And that was my poor me that kept the chip on my shoulder. Right. It was like, damn, they, so did you they like start to feed into that? Then? Yeah, definitely bro. I think that's like, that's something just being in the Midwest, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like you said, you have someone that comes from a bigger city and you know, the music, the trends, they're already there. And then they're bringing this to the Midwest mm-hmm. and that comes in. And then what happens is, is, people aren't used to it. And since it's unknown, they're afraid of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So they don't know what to think. And so they usually think of on, on anything unknown. They say people are afraid of the dark, right? Well, you're not truly afraid of the dark. You're afraid because you can't see what is in the dark. Right. You know, you, right. you have no yeah. vision on that. So that's how it is as well. When you bring these new trends right. and whatnot, because I, I saw that too, when I was younger as well, you know, I'd have these, um, these black pants on, I had a backwards cap, yeah, white bro. t-shirt, you know, and I'm like, man, I feel good. But then to someone else, I looked like a criminal yeah. because they weren't used to it. And that's mm-hmm. just the things, you know, that in the Midwest, now that it's starting to, really open up to right. to the whole world you fast forward and it's like wow this was normal but i kind of want to bring that back though with you zacchaeus asked were you buying into the into the stuff were you feeding into that you know did you ever come to a point where it was like you know what i don't know if i'm getting all the attention today so i'm gonna get in trouble no my thing always felt like i was into uh how do you explain it when the people around you are already doing the thing, bro, like mm-hmm. you're going to do the thing eventually, regardless of what yeah. happens. You know what I'm saying? I don't care, bro. Like if you're going to law of proximity, it right, really is. bro. Like, and I used to use the thing with addiction was like, if you work at McDonald's, there's no way in hell you're not going to eat the fries one time. Mm. You know what I'm saying? At least one time. And then after that, it becomes a convenience thing. And then because you have access mm-hmm. and that's with everything, bro, with getting in trouble, with smoking cigarettes, with stealing, like, bro, we live right next to a, uh, 
like the trailer court I grew up in lived right next to the Bob's Wholesale, right? They sold candy and cigarettes or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. We got around some influential kids that are a little bit older and they showed us like, bro, you can break right up in there and steal whatever you want mm-hmm. and they won't catch you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and it's right next door, bro. Right. So again, when we don't have nothing and this is a way to get something, get money, get cigarettes, because you can sell the cigarettes to older kids. Mm-hmm. And again, I really wasn't into the stealing thing. My little brother yeah. got, he got them hands, bro, when he was growing up. So it was, yeah. right. and it's crazy because like, I don't know, I was always into like, I want to make a deal and sell something. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, all right, you get the thing. I'm going to sell the thing. Let's see if we can sell it. Let's make some money. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that hustler mentality that my dad was this, my dad was that. Mm-hmm. And again, we're basing it off of just little stories over watching them drink and stuff. So who really knows what's what, you know what I mean? Like yeah. right. who yeah. knows how high or low anybody was? Nobody, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm a grown man, I'm like, bro, obviously yeah. that wasn't it. <laughs> like, right. I, I still look at things like that, you know, and when you take any of like judgment out and you just look at it for what it is, when people are in the struggle and when people are living on survival, it's actually in in a perspective that I'm coming from. It's it's crazy to see the creativity that you come up with. Mm-hmm. Like survival is I'm going to get this. And I'm going to find a way to sell this right. or get the you know, to to try to climb out. Naturally, we're going to try to climb out from whatever situation we're in. There's a lot of things that in those times that people will look down on and you may look down on or whatever. There's a lot of things you learn during that time right. that you're still able to apply to today. Right. Little right. tricks to the trade, bro, or something Absolutely. like I impressed my wife the first time we stayed together after I, I got released from jail, bro. Like we went to that little, um, what was it, a little hotel on the side of the interstate, whatever you can stay there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little my place or whatever. Right. Yeah. And she's like, oh man, we don't got this. And I was like, gosh, I got to cook some food right now, bro. Like I can make. Make you a whole meal right. and a bag of water in a microwave, dog. <laughs> right. Yeah, and she's survival. like, wow. Like, you know what I'm saying? I was Barry Grills or something like that, bro. Like, I was like, I could really get us out here. Right. And these are trips to like the res and all that. And when we go out to Milk's camp and like my dad promoted the struggle. Yeah. The most. I mm-hmm. swear to God. He's like, we out here, we're going to struggle. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. And it never made sense to me. But it was one of the things we did. And I'm telling you, like, even talking to my sister now, like, she looks at me some type of way sometimes. She's like, bro, we never did this because we go out there now and get an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And, like, we're promoting a different life. Like, my kids shouldn't have to suffer. They should go out there and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, they should go out there and be able to feel it without having to feel it. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. like, yeah. we bring a different aspect now. That We'll get to that later, right? Right. right. Well, I um, want to talk about quick, though. I want to talk about how relaying it to that hustler mentality or Mm -hmm. that, you know, that struggle is what really makes people and drives people later on in their life. So what is it about, if you can think about that time, is there anything you can take away from that, that you're able to apply to your life now? And how has that hustler mentality been able to help you get to where you're wanting to be? Let me interject real quick that like, it's not all hustle, bro. Like I was raised by addicts. Right. So and that's a real thing, like real addicts and real alcoholics, but they're functional. Okay. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So like if you're functional and you're doing your thing and like there's always somebody you could look over and they're worse off or whatever compared mm-hmm. to what my dad's doing. Right. You know what I mean? Because my dad's still doing his thing and he's young and he's tough and like. Right. And then my grandma, too, she's thugged out doing her thing, bro. And like she was a respectable woman in my eyes. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what For I mean? Sure. So I'm like. She's doing the most, but then she still had drinks on the weekend. She still, like, I remember growing, like, I remember the first time I ever told her to go to sleep, bro. She smacked me in my face. 
Damn. And like I was like 10 years old, bro. I was like, yeah. it's time for you to go to bed, bro. It's late. <laughs> Whap. I was like, damn, bro. Like I like, who are you talking to? She's like, who are you talking to, bro? I'm still trying <laughs> right. my drink. Yeah. So, so what is that? What um, is that like though? But that idea of it, bro, is that I can bring still from that is that there's so many different, like, again, it's a contradictive thing. Like you can make something out of nothing. But the contradiction is that as soon as you get that something, bro, you go fuck it off on something that you don't need. Right. You go fuck it off something that doesn't gonna give you value. Like right. and that's until recently, you know what I'm saying, in these past six years of my life, like I realized that, like if you don't take something and invest it into something else, then you're just chasing your tail. Mm-hmm. And I don't longer want to chase my tail. I didn't, you know, and I've learned that and I was I've been blessed to be again with my wife and all that, and we'll get to that part of the story. So like I've been so blessed to see some things now. And you've seen that and you've seen the change and the things I spoke about and it's Again, I don't act like I did this on my lonesome. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. and if people act like they did that, then they're false, bro. They got to be capping right. a little bit. Like, you can be self-made. Like, yeah, I did this myself. But, like, mm-hmm. did you? <laughs> like, right. Whose idea did you listen to? Whose direction did you follow? Mm-hmm. Did you pave a way that was unpaved? I highly yeah. doubt it. Most people in this world can't come up with an idea that hasn't already been done before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we think we're these unique people, and we are. And DNA-wise, we're unique and that no matter what, but you can Google John Milk, bro. There's more of them out there, and it's mm-hmm. weird to me because I thought my name was unique, right? But there's <laughs> right, a few right. of them out there. <laughs> like, I thought it was the only one. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a senior, junior, nothing, bro, but yeah. there's another John Milk over in Alaska or Florida or something right. like that. Like, it's crazy. That's so true. can you take us back to kind of when that mindset shift where you're just like, you know what, this is it. My past is the past. It's time for me to start focusing on my future. Well, that wasn't until my 30s. Mm-hmm. Like actually, so if we can just run through it quickly, let's run through. Let's the, do it. Yeah, let's run through the story quickly because again, like we talk about eight, nine years old, like I was getting into trouble. I yeah. was actually uh, stopped by a police officer and be like, "Oh, hey, I know who your dad is." Like, hold on, wait, pause me up mm-hmm. and everything, bro. I'm like, "What is that's messed up?" And I realized I was like, "This is what it is for me, right?" right? So again, feeding into it unknowingly, but I would never on purpose, like, oh, I'm just going to act up because yeah. who wants to get in trouble, bro? Like, I'd be, right. I was locked up with some of those kids. I'm like, damn, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I'd be judging those kids while I'm sitting in the same position, the nerve of me, right? But for some reason, I was always made the example of. So, like, I would get into a little bit of trouble and they'd be like, well, damn, lock him up. Cool. And then I couldn't follow probation rules. I never could follow the rules, bro. Like, you try to put me in a box and lock me down and say I got to be home at this time. And my friends are all messing around. I'm going to do what they're doing. I'm going to get out. And my grandma was raising me at the time. So, like, there's no way. Right. You didn't have the structure (laughs) to really. She couldn't chase me down. She could deal with me later. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But then, so at 13, I'm living like a 16-year-old, bro. Like, I remember I came home to my aunt's house one time. I brought a 17-year-old girl with me. And she's like, who's this? I was like, my girlfriend. She's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And dealt with it, bro. Like, actually dealt. I was like, be nice, bro. Like, she's my girlfriend. Right. Yeah. (laughs) what's wrong with me (laughs) you know what I mean like so again like we fast forward and I was never one of those fast forward kids was like oh I took responsibility and I stepped up for my family and I wish I would have been that guy I regret that all the time I've always been a leader a voice of some sort right and without the proper influence bro like I was a leader for the wrong stuff Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. going into like I think it was 13 right 
I was on intense probation. I would never stay home, bro. I was always messing around. I had a girlfriend at the time. I was always sneaking out, going to see her, and that shit added up. And then I was always smoking. So I couldn't pass the UA. And that's been, like, the story of my, like, criminality, I guess, is, like, what if I couldn't pass the UA for the life of him, bro? Like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I swear to God. So then at 13, they're just like, yo, it's it. I remember they, uh, the dude's like, you're going to JDC. I was like, okay, cool, whatever. And they, he's like, you can't pass this UA. And, dude, I held it. And I was sitting in the uh, police department just holding it and holding it. And I tried to make every excuse I could. And I ended up, like, saying I was going to throw up. So I drank a bunch of water until I was about to throw up. They brought me in a trash can. I seen that they have a bunch of rubber gloves in it. I was legit pissing in the corner. Fucking not even. I don't even remember if there's a camera or not, bro. I just know that. In, no, because in a juvenile, they can't put cameras on you. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, I'm in the corner, bro, just pissing in these gloves, tying them up, tying them up. And then finally they come back. They're like, you can't go there. We're going to take you to JDC for the night until you can go. I'm like, damn, it's, you can't. They're like, no, you're not getting away with this shit. Cause I, I played a few games like that before. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like, no. Mm-hmm. Took me to JDC. Finally, like halfway up, just like, I'm going to piss my pants, bro. I'm going to fall. I'm going to fail the way. Just let me go to the bathroom. I guarantee it's going to fail. It don't matter. Lock me up. That was the tipping point. I seen the, I didn't even see the judge. They called the judge, right? This is before FaceTime. And all that yeah. shit. So they called the judge, but I didn't even get to go to court. They called them. They said this, this, and this. No, you DOC, bro. Boom. Mm-hmm. Word of the state. Damn. I called my dad. The week, the last time he was in court, he's like, I don't know what to do with them. He's running amok. Like, what do we do? He threw his hands up. I was like, damn. My grandma's like the only person always that spoke up for me. And she's like, he doesn't deserve this. Like, Right. He might deserve some shit, but he don't deserve this. Mm-hmm. And she knew what was going to happen, right? They're going to take me away. And again, what that probably triggered for her, I never got to ask that. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. what that did, like, you know what I'm saying? That probably meant a lot because my dad got taken away. She, I, you know what I'm saying? She got taken away probably. Right. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? One, one, one moment here. And I'll allow you to, of course, continue on your story there. But you had said that your dad said threw his hands up and he's like, I can't. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. why did that make you feel? You said I don't know how it made my grandma feel, but how did it make you feel at that point in time? Well, like there was nobody, bro. Like there was legit. My grandma was the one. So there was somebody, mm-hmm. but there was nobody else. Nobody mm-hmm. that should have. But then again, as a grown up now, I can't fault him for not knowing what to do. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't be like, well, you should have did this, this and this. Cause mm-hmm. like we've had those conversations and it goes nowhere. Right. So. And I get that because, yeah, but like, because uh, you, as you fast forward, of course, there are plenty of things that we learn in a, in right. a short amount of time that some people won't even learn in a lifetime, yeah. you know, but I'm just saying like as a kid, cause I've, yeah. I've, I too have been there as a kid where I'm like, man, the one person I was hoping that was going to stick up right. for me was like, nah, I'm done. Like yep. push the limits. You know what I'm saying? So like, to me, I'm like, gosh, I just, you said that and I put myself in those shoes and I'm right. like. At 13, now? at 13, yeah, he's like, I don't know what to do. He's running amok. And I, maybe he didn't know the heaviness of what those words meant. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But it meant a lot. He's like, all right, well, cool. You awarded the state then. Mm-hmm. We'll figure it out for you. Like, cool. And my dad's like, all right. Because again, probably in his life, that's what he was used to. Yeah. I felt like you can't, you know what I'm saying? There's, this is it, bro. Like, this is the storyline. This is like, and you never even thought in those terms, but like, this is it. This is your life. This is what you're doing now. Yeah. And then... Going into boot camp, bro, like, I was very, I'm still overly emotional and all that shit, right? When, like, I've had moments where, like, I had no emotion, but then I'd be overly emotional when I was younger. I remember that boot camp, because that was one thing. Motherfuckers be like, you ain't a gangster because you cry. I'm like, bro, I'll beat your ass. <laughs> like, right. none of that shit matters, bro. Like, these tears and these hands are a whole different story. Right, <laughs> like, right. They come out fast, <laughs> and it's real, you know what I mean? It's like, 
added to that and being the fact that somehow I was always setting an example. I was always something and I couldn't keep up or doing something, bro. And I, again, we weren't taught to exercise. We weren't taught to fucking do push-ups. Mm-hmm. Like we were taught to fight, how to be mean, how to run our mouth. You know what I'm saying? But we weren't taught all the physical quality because my dad went to prison. He got big. He never come home and taught that. So for some reason, you know right. what I mean? So boot camp, I did that a couple times, right? I went to boot camp, got out six months later, I was back right in. I mean, it's just one of those systematic oppression things. You're set up for failure. Yeah, if you're not fucking following suit, bro, you're going to go right back. Because, again, you're on another level now. They're starting to treat you like an adult. They're getting you prepared for prison. Right. Mm -hmm. So then after the second time, they're like, damn, bro, you're such a, and this is the crazy thing. My little brother applied for uh, Job Corps. He was starting to get in trouble, right? They wouldn't let him go to job court because he was too violent for a small community, right? Because we're from a smaller community. Right. So they said he couldn't go to a smaller community and go there. Same thing with me. They said I was too influential in my community to go back home at 14. I'm like, what do you mean, bro? Like, because the kids I was influencing, like, well, they're, you're smart. They're yes. doing more, right? We were right. doing more. And it was bad. Intelligent. So, yeah. like, they sent me to LCB, it was Living Center B. It's on the Custer campus, right? So Okay. I went, so I, you were at Star Academy. Yeah, but back then, before. bro, it was fucking Patrick Henry boot camp, bro. Like, okay. it was actually mm-hmm. a thing. Before that girl died at Plain Content Academy and all yeah. that, like, I'm telling you, I seen some stuff growing up. It was right. so weird, bro, like, to be raised in the system. Mm-hmm. Like, the only place I didn't go to was Plain Content. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I went to our home for treatment. I went to some other place for, for weed, bro. Like, all this thing where weed's medically and yeah, recreational. Right. Like, they were out here acting like, I'm a fucking drug addict, bro. Like, when yeah. I was a child, I'm like, I smoke a little bit of tree. And then you do the workbooks and they'd be like, well, this doesn't apply to me. They're like, well, how? How does it apply? You're denying it. I'm like, dude, I never stole nothing for weed. I never did not eat because of weed. Like, mm, right. it was always that thing, right? And that's been my criminal background for a long time was that I smoke weed. Whatever. Right. Fast forward 14 to 18, bro. Like, I, system, 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 right? Finally, they released me out of Springfield Academy when I was like 17 turning 18. They said, well... You about to be out, bro. Like, I was like, well, what about graduating? Like, let me get into a school. They're like, no, like, just take the GED. Mm. I got in the middle of that. One of my dad's ex-girlfriends, uh, she volunteered to take me. And she lives in uh, Wichita, Kansas. So as I'm turning 18, they're like, well, you're going to move with this lady. There's no point in you going, again, this is crazy. They're saying this stuff out loud. Like, There's no point in you going to school, like, unless you get your GED because of where you're already at. Like, you're mm-hmm. 18 type shit. I'm mm-hmm. like, that sounds messed up, right? And right. you think about it now, I'm like, damn, the idea of like, you didn't think it was worth me finishing something because of who I was. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. They probably seen like, he's just going to be locked up again. It's whatever. Like, what does he really need the education for? Looking at it now. Right. It's crazy. Like this all. So then I spent a little, a couple months in Wichita, bro. And then again, I'll smoke a weed, found, found the gangster next door and he's selling me weed. We're mm-hmm. hanging out. And like the lady I'm living with sees it, calls the cops. They don't lock me up, but they send me next door, which is crazy, bro. Cause like, they're like, ain't your friend next door? I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're like, yeah. They don't know he's a grown man that's selling me weed. You know what I mean? It was uh-huh. weird. So like, and then after that, I called somebody I knew. And then I was like, I just want to go home. So she took me home, right? They got me a bus ticket to go home. I went home and then uh, my dad came and got me. I think he was, yeah, that's when he was supposed to come get me. I was in Wichita and I came to like Omaha or something like that. And he didn't come get me. Right. It was crazy, bro. I, like, I was stuck down Damn. there, too. And he was supposed to come get me, but he was, like, messing around, and he was high. And, like, again, I don't want to slander my dad by no means, but, right. like, right. facts are facts. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so he was tweaking, gambling in Sioux City, and he heard me say Sioux City, but I was like, no, bro, I'm, I, I'm 
Omaha. So then I ended up down there, and it was just Damn. another crazy experience, bro. I ended up with some fucking gangster, like, watched some girl smoke crack for the first time. Like, she was a hooker on, on the street mm-hmm. in Omaha. Omaha was wow. like, I was like, I thought Yankton was rough, bro. I was like, right. damn, Omaha's tough. Like, yeah. So damn. all that, and then my teenage years was the same thing, back and forth, whatever, right? And eventually, it just led into other stuff, dude. Like, I don't know. When I was 18, I tried meth for the first time, mm-hmm. and that's what led down that path. You know what I mean? That was the biggest. It was like... We started functionally using it, functionally selling it. Had the hustler mentality, but still using drugs. Right. How the fuck does that make sense? You know what I mean? Because the, the, I don't know how you'd say it. Like, the code wasn't instilled in you, bro. Because, again, right. you're raised by drug addicts. You, <laughs> like, don't, you don't get high on your own supply. Yeah, and then you watch Scarface do a pile of fucking snow, and you're like, bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you definitely get high on your own supply because it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. Like, so... That was always the thing with like hustling every time. I was like, I'm a hustler to provide. I'm a hustler to this. But I wasn't really providing. I was just providing for myself, finding Mm. a cheaper way around it with a poverty mentality is what it came down to, right? Right. At what age was that, would you say? 18. 18? 18, yeah. How long did that addiction, how long were you using meth then from that That run. (laughs) Wow. So that run went into... um, we were just like weekend users at first, right? Mm-hmm. And then one of my friends was like, yo, bro, you ever shot up? And it was within like the first week. I was like, no. And he's like, well, try it out, bro. It's way intense. I was like, okay. And I don't know how I'm so easily influenced, but like in that sense, you know what I'm saying? I'm not influenced to do dumb shit, but like, bro, like we're like, yo, it sounds good. I'm like, again, we're, we're probably suppressing all this stuff. And like, and I, you're not recognizing it as that. Right. Like right. kids nowadays have all these terms. Mm-hmm. And they can use all these terms to recognize what's going on with them. They're like, oh, well, I'm just manic right now and I'm depressed and like, or I feel anxious. So I, mm-hmm. I'm doing this now because of this. There was no reason behind it. Really, like, oh, and you're not like, oh, yeah, we're I'm just doing it. I'm blocking what... out shit because of this. No, you were just doing it, bro. Like, that's the thing you did. Right. Mm-hmm. And so after the first night, it became a thing. And then you do a little bit of research on it and you're like, you get higher faster. It's the quickest way because you got to suck it up through a fucking um, cotton ball or whatever, right? And that's how it, we first started out. And then that would filter th- the poison, right? right? It would filter. So it was a cleaner way of doing it than smoking and damaging your lungs or whatever the case may be. That was our excuses that we did. Right. But it just, again, it progressed so quickly. And then things got a little light when I had my son at 21, right? Like the drug use went down because my babe mom was no longer using. Mm-hmm. And she was usually footing the bill because she had the steady job, right? Like, mm-hmm. So then I became a good dad. But then again, I was still a hustler. I was still an addict, bro. Like, and I had to do what I had to do. And then my babe mom's brother came down. He got out of prison. And then that's in like 2008, bro. So if I'm going too fast, like it's not. No. It's like these are the no, major little events, yeah. right? So 2008, we were moving and grooving, acting up, right? And he introduced us to cocaine, but I was already shooting meth. So then like, again, we were connecting a few places. He was bringing zips and we were moving and every day. Everybody's getting high and moving lots of drugs, bro. Every day. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's just one of those things. So all year we're doing our thing. And then we end up arguing about like, you just get high or whatever. And I'm like, bro, I'm moving all this shit. I do what I want with my shit. Right. And that was the argument. Right. It was like, I'll do what I want with my drugs. He's like, well, you're just getting high, blah, blah. It was a weird thing. I don't know. Yeah. No shade on him, but it was just a weird thing. So then I was like, fuck that. I'll prove to you. I, I quit doing it right then. I was like, I'm done. So I stopped using. My brother was on like breathalyzers and I was running him back and forth to breathalyzers. We had our little routine. We'd wake up early. You know what I'm saying? We'd smoke a blunt, 
go get some coffees, take him to his breathalyzer, come back, make breakfast, me and my son hang out for a little bit, and then I'd start my day cleaning all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And then sell some weed, do whatever, right? But I left the drugs alone. I think it was like not even four days later, bro. My son woke up. I laid him down. I laid down with him. I fell asleep. House started on fire. Like, yeah, bro, it was pretty intense. So I got like third and fourth degree burns on my feet. And that became such an... It was crazy, bro. That was like, I should have known then, like when you see the reaction from people and how people function and all that. I'm like, mm-hmm. damn, bro. Like, yeah. my baby mom's brother wanted me to take the charge. He's like, because he was already a felon. So he's like, bro, you're only going to get a little bit of time. I'm like, dude, I got a kid and a baby on the way, right? Yeah. My, my kids are eight months apart. Same mm-hmm. baby mom, right? So like she came pretty early and like, but even still, it's like, she's on the way. You want me to go to jail? I was like, we already all hit. But you want me to take it all. That's what he wants. I was like, I can't do that. Like, right, we can't man. live like that, bro. No. Whatever. His story is. <laughs> well, there's so many things. And I don't want to yeah. get into that. Yeah, right. So I don't know how we, like, move around with that. So then um, I get out of the felony, right? Because of the fact that they can't prove it. So we get the charge of, like, having a house to hold, use, or sell drugs. Right. So that was our charge, right? It's less than a felony. And my, my lawyer's like, she's been a family friend my whole life. You know what I'm saying? Like the family lawyer, mm-hmm. my whole life, juvenile and everything. Like she was representing me. So like, she's like, you're not going to get these types of charges this early. So right. like, they pled me out. And then fast forward, you know, my eight months or a few months later, my daughter's born again. I'm doing drugs. Fucking, it's just at any point when you were because a lot of times people would be like you know when i had my kid that was this aha moment and that changed or they found god or whatever you know something like that for you did you have those moments because i know you know when you are using drugs you're not always attuned to a lot of those i think the issue was i was so functional that like especially the people around me, they they everybody would tell you like he always was there for his kids. He was doing his thing right. for his kids. He was with his kids. Like so, what I've been known for, bro, is like I love my kids, but I also want to do what everybody else is doing. I'm doing my thing, you know what I mean. And then right. I learned as like I can do my thing better than everybody and still take care of my kids. Mm-hmm. Right. So then I wasn't trapped into a room, fishing for a vein. Rod, bang bang, go back out, clean the house up pay attention to my son, fucking like create that bond or whatever, washing your hands and try to like, it was all bad parenting, bro. If you look right. back at just straight bad parenting, but yeah. I was doing the best I could with what I knew how to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel like that was the thing. Cause there wasn't a ha ha moment. Cause my dad had me. He's like, yeah, I got high the night I had you. Right. I celebrated mm-hmm. when I had my kids, bro. I did a lot of drugs. I had fun because my baby mom's in the hospital. My kid's there. She's fine. Like, or, or not she, cause there was a little ish complications with her, but like yeah. he was fine that night. Boom. We celebrated mm-hmm. right. my daughter. She got flown out to uh, Sioux Falls. Like when we were in Yankton. Right. And that's when that. So then we moved up to Sioux Falls. It was my first time. That's why I'm saying like off and on, I was part of this community or whatever. Yep. So like in 20, 2007, we moved up here for a little bit. Again, hustling, meeting new people, doing our thing. Like I started selling ecstasy. Like we were taking trips to the cities. Like we were doing mm-hmm. our thing. Not to a level where it meant anything. You know what I mean? It was just sure. always supplemental. So I don't ever want to get that twisted that we were out here fucking, no. Because I want everybody to know that, like, when I, bro, all the drug use doesn't account for nothing, bro. Like, I, if I could take it all back, I would. It doesn't define you. It not doesn't. the person that you are not today. Not at all. And if I could take that away, bro, I, 
I would have still been down the same struggles, mm-hmm. still committed some crimes, still fucking gotten fights or still joined a gang or still, you know what I'm saying? All well, let me ask you this. I mean, we, we always, we discuss in the podcast, just being the sum of the five people around you. Do you feel yeah. if you changed your entire group and you went, say you moved from this group that's selling drugs, doing drugs, doing anything like that. You move to a group that is all business mindset, right? You know, positive. You know, doing things to to better themselves every single day. You yeah. move to that group. You feel like things would change. It has. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, like again, we lead into the fact that, like, let's fast forward past the nonsense, right? Six years ago, bro, I decided to end my criminal fucking lifestyle, end my addiction to meth and dependency on being around people and all that stuff that didn't matter. Mm-hmm. So my cousin was murdered in 2018. Somehow we got roped into it. If you like, you check the Kelloland thing, right? It says that uh, he's involved in a double homicide investigation. Sounds crazy, mm-hmm. right? My warrant states that I was wanted for a violation of probation. That's how they got me. Like mm-hmm. that's how they got the warrant to come search the place or whatever. Cause they were trying to rope us into something. I'm not even sure. Five hours later, standing off with the SWAT or whatever, bro. And really, like, it was nothing. I just don't want to go outside. I was like, what are they fucking still here for, bro? Like, I couldn't figure out why they're still here. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody already jumped out the window, you know, in that interaction or whatever. Told the cops I had a gun. It was my gun. I'm known to have a gun, blah, blah, blah. He just showed me the gun. And then, like, after that long-ass wait, bro, I was like, dude, this is enough. Like, they're threatening to, like, gas the house and all this stuff. And I was like, bro, this is it. I was like, just... Don't do nothing crazy. We we go open the door. Yeah. Boom. Let them in. They arrested us. The whole experience was wild, bro. Just yeah. that type of experience is like a movie. And like, it was weird, mm-hmm. bro. I heard that there were snipers in like the next, they really thought I was going to do some shit. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. bro. Like, I don't. Right. It's a serious want, moment. I just didn't want to deal with the cops. I'm like, right. why aren't they leaving? That was my biggest question. I never had cops stay that long. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why aren't they leaving, bro? Like, what do they want? Mm-hmm. Right. I was like, this shit is crazy. And it's because I had a gun and because, like, you know what I mean? So, again, goes into, like, four months, three to four months, depending on who you ask. Yes, my wife. And, like, we got to double check the timing. But I'm in jail for about three months. Again, I'm known for talking. I'm known for, like, standing on my business and this and that. And I become one of the influential peoples. That's what they act like. People that are, that have some kind of influence within the pods, right? Mm-hmm. In, in jail. In okay. county jail. In county jail. Like, so... And again, I never said this stuff. I never run around acting like I was nobody, bro. I'm just moving and grooving, finessing where I can, talking what I can do, and then standing on what I've been said since the street. And I was a stand-up guy. I'm not going to fuck you over. I'm not trying to run you over. Mm -hmm. It's all peace till you approach me. You know what I mean? And, like, I made my way through that. And somehow, like, the county was weird at the time. They, They took all the people that were either problem guys or something like that, or had influence in the pod, or stuff like that. And they put us all in one pod. Mm-hmm. Like they took us upstairs and put us all in one pod. It was weird. So I spent the remainder of my time like fighting these charges, right? So it's 2018. We're fighting the charges. It's coming on. Like I went in in January. It's coming up. Yeah, it's only been a couple months. Yeah, bro. It was like January. And then at the end of February, my wife walks in and she's a CEO, right? And she's mm-hmm. like gorgeous, bro. I'm like, what the? And this is like 3 a.m., bro, when they serve you breakfast or whatever. I see her. I start asking about her when we wake up for the day or whatever. And, like, that's hours later, right? Mm-hmm. And then I see her again. I'm like, dang. So I talked to him. Like, hey, because I'm known for that, bro. I was 
mm-hmm. very friendly. You know what I mean, like mm-hmm. I'm down to be friendly, especially with the females. Like I'm, I'm okay. And niceness gets taken totally different ways nowadays. Now I'm married. I'm like, bro, I'm just being nice. Like, right. yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah. My fault. Mm-hmm. So shooting my shot with her. And it was the coolest thing. Like she, she knew me, she read my file. And there's some of the strangest things that we can get onto another time is that like, you know, she even seen some of the stuff. I was like, wow. But then when I started approaching her and actually physically, I'm like, bro, I want, there's something that's going on. There's a spark. There's got to be a divine something. I could feel it. You know what I mean? And the way she looked at me and the way we talked to each other, I'm like, bro, this is crazy. Just and leading it, up to your aha moment. Yeah. And it was okay. one of those things, bro. And it was like, and mind you, all the toxic stuff that I've had going on in my life, bro, like up till then yeah, was pure bro just bad movie after bad movie it seemed like every toxic story you've ever fucking read i was involved in bro like it just right, was sure. like wow but when i met her i started you know shooting my shot and i mm-hmm. tell everybody i was like dude shoot your shot regardless like and she was there for about a year and she said like and again when she tells her side of it it's like i was about to quit mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying somehow they mm-hmm. ended up having me come over here and watch all stuff. I didn't even want to do it. And mm-hmm. then they put me there and then boom, we met, we started talking. And then a few weeks into it, I was like, bro, what would it take? I was mm-hmm. like, for me and you to be together. I was like, to be a, f- a thing. And she's like, you wouldn't, you can't do drugs no more. You can't sell dope no more. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was like, I've never tried that. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, right? <laughs> like, I've never yeah. tried that. I've never tried doing something different. So it was a big ask. It was. It was a huge ask, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, even my brother thought it was a setup. Like, and I told mm-hmm. him, I was like, bro, I'm about to plead guilty to all this shit. He's like, bro, you think she's going to be with you and hold you down? What if you get all this time? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't care, bro. I think this is it. Like, she's going to hold me down. Like, through the, because again, I'm facing a lot of time, like yeah. drug possession, gun possession, and another felony possession in uh, Yankton. Mm-hmm. So I'm facing all these uh, felonies. And it's like, automatically, bro, if they convicted me, I'm going to serve at least eight. Right. Sure. Cause it's looking at like 20. So like people say 20 years, it wasn't 20 years. It'd be like eight years, but I was already ready for that. And I was like, dude, it's going to be whatever. And I started even like with the whole prison gang stuff, bro. Like I had to take a few hits because of it. I was like, dude, I'm not doing that. Like I'm not. And again, I checked by my own friends. <laughs> like, I mean, shout out to homie Willis. Like we is, he's legit. He was like, yeah, bro. Like we stand on this. I'm like, I get that. But He's like, I get you're trying to be different, bro, but you know what I mean? What are we going to do? We going right. to look weak or we going to act up? So right. you still have that, that group that's still trying to pull you yeah, back in. Was, it was, it's not even a pull. It's a standard, bro. It's what you mm-hmm. signed up for. Mm-hmm. You know right. what I mean? And when you signed up for something, like, you really, you came to play. You know what I mean? Like, what are you supposed to do? You yeah. said you were going to do this. Mm-hmm. Stand on that shit, bro. Somebody calls you out your name. Stand on it. Mm-hmm. Again, we handled it in a different way. because I got of a respect thing. Right. Because, again, whether I'm changing or not, they still got to live with that. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you can't look weak in, weak in any faction. So, let me ask you this. Because when you mention you, you're thinking you're going to do at least eight, mm-hmm. you're looking at 20. The first thing I, I ask in my mind is, what is going through your head when you're realizing that you're going to face potentially eight years, could be 20 years? Like, what is that like? My concern wasn't that. It was more of like, how am I going to make this time? Because how old are your children at this time? 2018. So they're probably like 10? Yeah, they're like 10 years old. Nine, my youngest was like four. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
So again, like they were writing letters to me. They still seen me as somebody famous and like somebody important. Mm-hmm. And they, cause again, they're living the shitty little life, bro. And the struggle of their existence because of us, you know what I'm right. saying? Bad parenting and all that. Right. And those things hurt the most, you know what I mean? But then I had such, bro, I'm telling you, it's so crazy to say this now. Because now that I believe in like manifestation and prayer is real and speaking shit into existence and scripting and all that is very real, right? The law of attraction is real. But where does that come from though? I want to fast forward into that where you're like that true. All right, I'm, I'm done. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to better myself. I'm trying to be around people that want better for me. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm that's I like, I'm hearing your story and, and I get it because I'm, I'm hearing like you trying to break out so many times. It sounds like at this point in time, you know, I was done, got pulled back in this time done, got pulled back in. Right. You know what I'm saying? So there was, there was a point in time where it was just like, that's it. That's it. Right. I took the first step and I'm never going back. And that would be what going on like two years now. So Mm -hmm. after I was released from jail or whatever, right. It was again, this shit, I said, it's going to work. I'm going to plead guilty. They're going to give me a chance. I'm going to get out of here, bro. I'm going to show them, right? Mm-hmm. It happened. Couldn't believe it happened, bro. And then I what, pled, what happened? So I pled guilty to two charges in Sioux Falls, right? Pled guilty to possession of a firearm by a felon and then possession of methamphetamines, controlled substance or whatever, right? And with those, those carrier or whatever, but I pled guilty. They're like, oh, cool. You got a plan. You got an idea. This is what you're going to do. We'll give you a chance. Again, the system is never like, we're going to give you a chance because we believe in you. It's mm-hmm. more of, we're going to give you a chance because we know from statistics that you're going to fuck up regardless. So we have you automatic. It's cool. I went down to Yankton because I got out. They let me, they played guilty. They're like, yep, cool. It's all going to be uh suspended or whatever. Right. I get down to Yankton. I'm like, dude, this could be another thing. I'm going to go to prison for at least two, three years. Right. Because I'm carrying a charge that carries five to 10. And again, I'm a habitual offender now. Like, that's what they just gave me over there. They're like, you're a habitual offender. So now I'm a criminal, career criminal or whatever. In the eyes of the state. Like, again, right. I don't see myself right. as this at all, bro. I'm like, damn, I was literally smoking weed the first time I went to prison. Right. I told the judge, I was like, at least I'm not getting high on meth. He said, oh, again, you don't follow the rules, whatever, go. So, again, so then when I got out, being normal was good enough. It was just good enough for everybody. Everybody has stopped, like everybody around me has slowly stopped doing drugs. Nobody's influenced by meth. They're just drinking alcohol, hanging out, partying, right? And we're celebrating the fact that we're just not on drugs. Mm-hmm. It started to irk me. It started to be a thing where I'm like, dude, we do this all the time. My wife's stressed out on Sundays. All we do is waste food and money and alcohol. And then we feel sick the next day. Like how, what a shitty way to start a Monday, right? Because we were trying to enjoy our Sunday, living for the weekend and whatever. Mm-hmm. And all these things were clicking with me. And it was like, damn, bro, I want something different. Like, I want to do something different. And again, no shade to everybody that wants to fucking do their regular stuff, bro. Like, go ahead. Mm -hmm. But something in me was do something different. And then a couple of relatives died. Elders, like, throughout this time, right? And my wife's seen how we do things in my family and in in our culture. We bury our own. So we Mm -hmm. dig the grave. Mm -hmm. We have the ceremony. We lay them to rest ourselves and bury the grave. All by ourselves, bro. Like, me and my son, we buried, like, I think three people together now. Me and my little boy. (laughs) He's a man now. It's amazing. So, like, when did we meet? So we met um, about a year and a half ago, I would say. Actually, no. 
a year ago. Okay, about so, a year ago this time last year. Okay, so a year ago, I would say about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Two years ago is when I decided I'm going to swallow my pride because, again, uh, my wife's grandparents, they watched us struggle. And it wasn't like, no, they didn't watch us struggle. But like They watched us do our thing. Yeah, Everybody had their opinions of me and my wife at first because I was a criminal, you know what I'm saying, whatever. I proved to them over and over, time and time again, and you've seen it at their birthday party, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, finally, it's like, yo, you, we ain't worried at all. Like, you yeah. got it. Like, cool. So I got the- People change. I got the sign off, right? Sure. At first, it was a constant, bro, I'm not like what you think I'm going to be. Had to prove yourself. Yeah, and it wasn't an issue for that. But they gave me an offer, They're like, well, you guys, you did it. You tried. Good job. And it was sarcastic, just like that. They're like, you, you tried? Tried to what? Make it. Yeah. Like, make it financially, bro. Like, we're spinning our wheels living in a a, a two-bedroom townhome. And it's a nice place, but it's not fitting for my children that come to visit me on the weekend. Right. And again, we're running around Yankton to Mitchell, Yankton to Mitchell every weekend. I get a literally a total of, like, 24 hours with my kids, bro, and we're just spending, 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 trying to get time with them. And then they are all sharing a fucking room. Right. And I'm like, what? what is it? What's got to give, bro? And then finally, they spoke up. They're like, we're going to... We're going to show you. We'll give you an opportunity. Move into our house. And they're well off. You know what I'm saying? So, like, move into our house. We'll show you some of our values. You know, help you save money. And then we'll help you get a house. Mm. Everybody in my friend group is like, yo, you're going to move in with white people? Why would you do that? Why can't you just get it on your own? I was like, bro, what are we really doing? Like, uh-huh. we are struggling, dog. Like, I'm paying so much in child support, probation fees, everything. Bro, I'm like, I don't even know how we're making it. But we're mm-hmm. making it. You know what I mean? And it's cool. And I'm grinding. I'm working hard. And, like... I beat probation, and then as I move in with them, we change jobs. You know what I'm saying? We're doing things together. Like, all of a sudden, we decide that, because my kids are about to turn teenagers, and I'm like, dude, I need my kids. They need this. They need me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So then my babe mom was in a bad position, and she's fighting her demons or whatever, and like, I was like, dude, this is better. Like, now I have better. Let me show you better. Mm-hmm. We're living in the safest city in South Dakota. Like, I used all those stats, bro. Like, they're going to go to Brandon, the number one school in South Dakota at the time. You know right. what I mean? Like, they're voted number one five years in a row. Mm-hmm. She's like, all right, cool. So they moved in with us. So now we're all, my whole family's living in this basement. And it's a nice basement, right? But we take that year. One of my other cousins uh, kills himself. Mm-hmm. As we're saving money, we have the sense of responsibility we go down there because we just left Milk's camp, right? Mm-hmm. He hangs himself that night. My aunt calls me. She's like, I need you. I come running back, right? We're back in Nebraska now. We're doing everything we can. And all I asked for, I was like, here, teach me the way. Show me how things go because in this family, I know that I'm coming up. It so happens that a funeral is a major part of our culture. Like, people yeah. fucking die, bro. So, like, yeah. they do die. So what right. do you do? And then again, trying to find all the things that we do and what was proper and how to go about it and just being supportive. And I just, it was, it's a hard thing, bro. Like, and again, it was one of these things that like, it seemed like it was meant for me. Like, all right, cool. You got to be the one to be strong, to carry on ceremony, to at least speak the idea of it. And I'm still learning, bro. Like, don't ever ask me to come up and pray in Lakota because it ain't going to happen. Not yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I'm not Not there yet. yet. Not, Not yet. I don't put no limitations on me. That's for sure. But with all this that happened, it was, bro, we stacked up. We spent the money. Like, we gave as much as we could. It was, like, two bands mm-hmm. or something like that. It was, like, $10,000 to bury somebody. Right. Okay? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. 10000 bro. And, like, when they're, like, it costs, like, we need 8000 And everybody got silent and, like, looked down. And I'm, like, 
And that's with like Bro, what pretty much no headstone. Or yeah, that's no headstone. None. It's just burying him. That's the, crazy. The cheapest casket. That's why life insurance is important. Yeah, man. and that too. Plug yourself, bro. Life insurance right. is serious because no, I need real. it, and I need to find a way to get around it and all that because like my history, right? And yep. we're gonna discuss that sometime. We can talk about it, yeah. But seeing that, that like when you're fighting something so deep, bro, you can't you can't beat the system. You can't beat it out yourself. Like, what are you gonna do? You feel like you have no options? Like, damn, that that can't be me. I mean, right. I got too much to live for. When we met, talk about Leaders of Tomorrow, because okay. that's where really you started to yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, want more and more. Again, and if, when I joined Leaders of Tomorrow, it was a it was an offer that I didn't know that, I didn't know how serious it was at first. That's to be totally transparent. I didn't understand. There was a few people in my life, like my therapist, Serene Thin Elk, she's a, she breathed life to me. She was validating me at the time. She was doing all these things. And she's like, yo, from the sounds of how you're living, like Leaders of Tomorrow would be good for you. Mm-hmm. And okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never knew nothing about development, none of that shit, right? So then um, Shelly Gaddis, she, like, through her, uh, Kristen's grandparents, we met her, and she she spoke some life into us, and, like, she challenged me because I wanted to be an entrepreneur, right? And I was like, dude, I just can't do this, and that was where the whole idea of ch- ch- chasing success was for me at that time, like, when I was like, well, dude, how do I be different? How do I do this? Mm-hmm. And I started watching all these motivational videos, and, mm-hmm. like, they were telling you how to exclude yourself, change the people you're around. And then her grandparents were like, stop being around the influencees, be around the influencers. That outlook instantly. Mm. I was like, well, let me, how do you do that? That was the next question. How do you do it? Mm-hmm. Right. And when I met Shelly, she's like, well, go have a meeting with Vani. I was like, oh, I know Vani. Like, he did the rap thing a long time ago, right? When I was younger. He's like, yeah, he's been doing his thing. And he's really involved in the community. And he does this, this, and this. I'm like, okay. And I still sat on it for a little bit. And then somebody I was working with, they're like, dude, you should take leaders tomorrow. I was like, dude, I keep hearing about that. Like, take it. It's serious. It's like, all right. So I signed up, had a meeting with Vonnie. Vonnie's like, yeah, dude, like, we're going to get you into leaders tomorrow. Like, this is going to be your time to, like, develop who you want to be because we can see the passion in you, but you need to develop it. Mm-hmm. So we jump into, I get into the class, right? I'm working at JL Beers and... I'm like, bro, I just want to be an entrepreneur. I want this stuff right now. I'm trying to figure it out. And like all this information is coming quickly, right? Yeah. And I'm like, bro, like, why can't I get it? If somebody would just show me, I would do it. Mm-hmm. And when I said that, I didn't know what I was talking about. But now that, it's not even but now, but as I grew in Leaders of Tomorrow, I realized that if somebody would just show me success, if somebody would give me a blueprint of how to live a better life, and that's not even financially, bro. Like just morally and the way you think and just how to track success and what it looks like, yeah, you know, so to be between pop- the ears, yeah, really. Really, you know what I mean? And how, how to discover yourself to get everything, right? Mm-hmm. And then finding a support system of people that believe the same way as you do. Right. That's what fucking, bro, that, w- that was my second aha moment in life. Mm-hmm. I was like, no fucking way, bro. Somebody showed me the way I'm going to do it. I, and I right. said what I said, and I'm going to stand on that, bro. Like, you yeah. show me how to do this. I'm going to do it. So, again, I became that. Yo, let me get on this. Here, I know this. And I would do some research, and I was like, this is aligning with some of the stuff that I'm learning. And I'm like, bro, mm-hmm. this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And then, again, meeting these people that were high energy are successful, you know, like, that are already entrepreneurs. And you're like, bro, you feel a sense of, like, I can't, I'm not there. I, I can't do that. You know what I mean? Like, or how am I going to do that? But again, I stepped into, I graduated from LOT. Automatically, 
I'm coming home telling my wife this every day. I'm like, bro, we got to communicate the same way. And I was like, mm -hmm. if you could get on. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I get really like hyper. <laughs> so yeah. like, I really get passionate and hyper. She's like, I was like, yo, bro, if you just this, this. And she's like, whoa, like that's a lot. I was like, dude, just take leaders tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Well, I got in good with uh, Tamian. And he was like, yeah, we'll get your wife into Justice Impacted since you're Justice Impacted. I was like, okay, cool. It was just automatically get her in the cohort so we could speak the same language and better right. our already like dude like we're the standard of relationship right like yeah. just love and all that and in order to continue to have that standard you got to continue to work on it right right so in order to grow you have to water you have to plant the seed you have to fucking give it time and be patient and that leads me into like how i'm being successful now is because I stepped into it. I leaned into it and leaned into it. And that's what they offer at least tomorrow. I was like, we will offer you all of this. It's up to you how far you take it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I want to take it to the max, bro. I want to be successful. Right. And they're like, well, what's success mean to you? I'm like, well, fuck. That's Obviously financial it freedom is. is a big deal. Yeah. You know, cause everybody's like, if I was rich, it'd be all good. What I've learned though, is like, if you're not preparing yourself for what's to come. You're not going to know what to fucking do with it anyway, bro. And that's mm -hmm. the difference between yeah. rich people and wealthy people. There it is. And that's the big differences. And that's even with uh, generosity and, and charity and understanding. Like, you only can go so far, bro. Like, really. Yeah. Unless you do it with a, a positive attitude or unless you do it with genuineness. You know what I'm saying? Authenticity. Right. Like, if you're not coming from authentic place and and actually trying to do it positive or i don't know without any like that's the right mindset like mm -hmm. backhanded underhanded motion you know what i mean right right because like, karma's real you know what i mean mm -hmm. like, absolutely like, the laws of the universe are factual bro like, <laughs> that's a thing they don't talk about it because it's fake it's mm -hmm. real these laws are put into place to to set us straight and like especially in my culture bro like you talk about you know good and evil and you know bad and this and that but then you talk about divine feminine energy you know and the masculine sacredness like what does yeah. that create? That creates a godlike thing because you can't create mm -hmm. without the two, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And all that added up into the fact that, like, bro, it's written down for you. Yeah. <laughs> and then they give it to you in such a way, mm -hmm. like LOT is given to you in such a way. And then they tell you that, hey, look, we weren't taught this. We weren't, most of us weren't given this. Even successful people oh, weren't sure. taught to fucking be thankful every day. Right, right. You know, right. that's terrible in itself. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? To be grateful for what you have. And now these are the trending words that we talk about, you know, gratitude right. and intention and like everybody wants to be intentional. And we've talked about it on uh, one of our first episodes and, uh, you know, the power of the tongue. Mm. Before we get into the next part of our episode, I just want to talk about this quick because going back to when you were young and you were a kid in school, the power of a teacher or somebody's word is what you held on to and you right. bought into that. And when you believe that about yourself, your whole world fit that image, Yeah, you know? And at the same time, you fast forward to that to now and you talk about, uh, you know, I've seen it. I've seen it. The words you were saying at the beginning of Leaders Tomorrow and the action that you've take, taken, I've seen it. And I've seen you manifest stuff. Every I time I see it, yeah. you, you're like, you know, I'm working, you know, to build up myself, essentially, so I can come on the podcast. And I'm like, dude, you're perfect for this podcast because there's so many people that have experienced some of those same things, right. you know, mm -hmm. and there's so many people that feel like there is no hope. 
And I feel like when you're vulnerable and you're able to get up here and put this out to the world, you know, right. and let the world know this is me, this is who I've been, this is who I am now, and this is what I'm striving for. I think that gives other people the courage and the belief that, you know, if he can do it, I can do it. Right. You know, because we all have that. A little bit of dog in us. If I see somebody do something, I feel like, well, if he can do it, yeah. I can do it. Right. And that representation is big for you, is big for your family, and what everything you've said, you know, it's been a cycle. Right. It's not just you. It's It's gone down generation to generation to generation, and there's reasons why it's been that way. Right. But for you to be the person to say, you know what? Starts I'm here. changing. Yeah. And your wife to come in and support you the way that she does and her family to buy into it now as well. And I just think it's awesome. And it, it, it gives hope to people, right. you know what I'm saying? And another thing just with, you know, your friends talking about you getting in with a white person, right. you know, and staying with a white person, we've had people question why we've had certain people on this podcast. Right. And not to say that those are the same thing, but it's very similar. It's the in same the thing, bro. Of people will question why we have people on our show and have the opinions that they have. But right. first of all, they're not doing anything to help me or my people overset poverty. And some people that we have on here will, right. even mm -hmm. if they don't have the same, uh, same skin color. Skin color. Yeah, yeah. It's, nice. it's uh, all, all skin folk and Kim folk right. is, is a saying like, just yeah. cause you look like me doesn't mean that we have the same values, you mm -hmm. know? And just because we come from the same place, doesn't mean we're going to end up in the same place. Right. You know, so kudos to you on your journey. It's not over yet, obviously, but you're working. No, this and is I just see you, man. started. And I that's, see you. Again, I feel like we spent in the beginning, wherever like we land is like, I spent a lot of time and that's why I try to avoid because it's, it is a lot it's of, deep. it's, it's it a lot to unpack, bro. And I don't, right. wanna, it is. again, and that's where I never wanted to be the thing because what I'm doing now is so much more than what I've been through. Yeah. But to shed light at the same time and be like, look, bro, you've been through it. Now you're doing this. Now and tell it's, me. And it's never a, oh, my God, uh, he did it. And it's because of this and this and this. Right. No, bro. That's that's consistency and persistence for sure. Facts. What is your vision on what you're trying to do right now? At this moment, my vision for myself and my family is to change the idea and the name of what milk is. Right the legacy, the, the we're direct descendant of chief milk, right? Direct descendant, bro. Like yeah, my grandma's buried, not even a stone's throw away from him. And it's, and it's real. But then what do we carry with that idea of what a chief is? Right. And that's what I'm trying to chase right now is what were these men doing back then that made him so prominent and made him such a leader where they could give him that title. Mm. And then Business-wise, me and your sister, Monique Renville, right? Shout out to her. Yep. Uh, we had similar ideas, similar backgrounds, and similar identity issues growing up and this and that, right? So then being natives from the city, being indigenous people from this city, we feel a disconnect because you don't feel as native as the natives on the res. You don't feel as indigenous as until you show up to a powwow. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, and then even there you feel like a spectator because we weren't taught this, bro. Like it was taken right. from us. It was stripped from us. So then our idea for our business company that we've instilled now and not like it hasn't been full launch yet, but it's, it's our business is red resilience. And our main focus is giving life and breathing life into this 
in this city of indigenous youth, indigenous adults, you know what I'm saying? People that are struggling maybe with cultural identity. And I'm not talking about fraudulent whatever. We're not getting into that or whatever. But if, like, show me who your grandma is. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it comes down to. It's not, like, to me, it doesn't matter if you're enrolled or whatever, bro. Like, do you know who your people is? And then even still, like, who, where did you come from or where do, do you, you want to help connect yeah. people to the root? And that's what mm. it is. It's just giving the idea that, like, look, bro, I'm just like him. I live in the city. You know what I'm saying? We go out to the res and do the same thing. It's, you know what I'm saying? I'm here, though. Yeah. And again, I'm not from the res originally, but I've been there enough to understand, like, look, bro, that's not for me. Yeah. It's smaller than the small town feel. And that's why I came to the city and I'm, I'm growing in the city. And then within that, business we are creating a space for other creators and other indigenous people while teaching right because you know you have to teach the next generation without that we ain't nobody right so now we're breathing life back into children we're going into the high schools we're uh teaching most beating class we're also creating other courses for like uh drum making drum stick making moccasins like just a, an array of indigenous art and crafts right without yeah. calling it arts and crafts because it's much more well, than that, you know what I mean? it like, really is it is art. art. It's beautiful. You it know what is. I mean? And then somebody craft it. But when you take the idea of arts and crafts, they get weird. Handcrafted. It, right? Yeah, it's handcrafted, really handcrafted, indigenous made stuff. With that, it's just because we're chasing to be an entrepreneur, right? And we're trying yeah. to show people that you can create ownership and you can do the thing. Yeah. And, you know, how do we do that? By leading by the example of our life. Mm -hmm. So with that, uh, it led into the idea of that we're going to raise the graduation rate for indigenous youth. Yeah. In this city first. That? That's the first thing. You know, we're in the high schools now and we're talking to kids and I want them to find out and define what success is to them so they can find, you know, they can map that out and just reach their destination. Each one, mm -hmm. teach one. Right? right? If you don't have a destination, then where are you going, right? You're just driving. Right. And it's cool to cruise, right? If you're young, especially if you're listening to this and you're young, it's cool to cruise around, but like you should have a destination. You should have a goal. Yeah, the journey's sure. great, but like you should have something to obtain, right? Yeah, something to strive for, for sure. Right, so that's the first that's thing dope. we step with is the, if you graduate high school, that's your a major accomplishment. Yeah, um, I, I never sure. had that accomplishment, right. you know, but I feel like just because I didn't do that doesn't mean I can't speak on that. Right. right. I mean, you're trying to help the people, like I just said, each one teach one. You're trying to put your hand down and lift somebody right. up based off of the knowledge that you've just obtained. And Instant. you don't need a degree to define you as no, valuable. Don't. And don't. I tell my sister that cause she feels that way sometimes cause she doesn't have a college degree. And I'm like the real life experiences that you get is right. enough qualification in my eyes in a lot of cases to teach things. Right. If mm -hmm. you taught yourself how to bead who, right. Who am I to tell you? You can't teach that. Right. You right. know, and you are Native American, whether right. you're biracial or not. Right. It doesn't matter. This is what you are. Your bloodline can yeah. be traced back down. to. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, and there's generational is. things that go uh, within your DNA that right. are still with you, that were with generations before. You. Right. So, and then and that's being an outspoken person. That's, you know, being somebody that can feel the energy when you walk in the room or even change the energy. You know what I mean? And. The last thing I want to lead into before we get into the roundtable is that this life that I'm choosing to live is for everybody. It's actually for everyone. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you have to go pay for. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like It's something that if you focus every day 
and just move something forward a little bit every single day, it's going to grow and it's going to change. And then if you see, like, if you dropped a little bit of water in a cup every single day, the cup mm-hmm. will be full. You've all had something leak before, yeah, right? Absolutely. And that bowl fills up, right? Yep. And it's up to you whether or not you want to fix the leak or push the leak forward. And me, I, I was trying to burst the pipe, bro, because I don't want to be a drip in a cup anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, I'm, I want to see my cup overflow like, right, you know, for sure at all times. I love absolutely. That, I do as well. And, you know, obviously just sharing your story, it's so inspiring. And there's going to be people that listen to it and they're going to figure out that where you start does not determine where you finish. Definitely. You know, there's, there's a story of growth in between that. And there's a story of resilience to truly continue to continue to keep going, keep going. Cause at any point in time, you could have just given up. Right. I, I give up. I'm going to keep doing this exact same thing, but you didn't do that. And so there's growth in that. And there's also what we say in the beginning of this podcast and in that introduction is, is being the difference between I can't and I can, or mm-hmm. I won't and I will. And that's a, just a shift in mindset. And you've done that, you know? And so my question before our round table here is being someone who's gone through all that and, and looking at yourself today, there's, there's somewhere in there where you figure out really the true definition of overstepping poverty. Right. And so I want to know exactly in your perspective, what is overstepping poverty to you? Overstepping poverty in my mind is actually that it's in your mind. It's a mindset. It's, mm. It's living in lack. It's having a scarcity idea. It's feeling like there's not enough for everyone. It's feeling like you don't deserve that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like these are things that are instilled in us, indoctrinated in us mm-hmm. for generations. And once you step out of the idea that there are rules and they're black and white and this is the only way that you're going to do it. And if this is the only way you can dunk a basketball is if you're six foot tall. Like, no, dude, you can dunk if you train your legs. If you jump, 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 eventually it'll happen. Right. But if you limit yourself, then you're stuck. And that's fine because it's all about your mindset, right? Right. So, again, I came to terms with myself that if you do this, you won't get this. You know what I'm saying? But if you do things a certain way in small increments and if you're willing to learn and if you're willing to be open to suggestion to counsel and not advice. Cause everybody got advice, bro. Nobody wants to hear that. Right. I don't want to hear your advice. I want to hear your life experience. I want to know something that you can help me through something that you had to avoid yourself. You know what I'm saying? Yep. How you yep. overcame it. It's about knowledge, bro. Like if you don't know, how are you going to do? You only know what you know. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. Like, don't be afraid to learn. Right. Don't be afraid to be like, Oh, well credit's not for me. You know? Right. You know, Oh, Getting a loan for a car is not it. Buy straight out. And then you're paying all year because you're not a mechanic either, bro. So what do you mean? Like, right. mm-hmm. what are we really doing here? So right. again, yes. being a student forever yep. and then changing your mindset. Absolutely. Right. And that's how people continue to progress. It's, it's knowing that you don't have all the knowledge. There's right. always more to learn. Right. You know, so right. I, I completely agree with you. And that's, that's a great outlook, you know, and definition of overstepping poverty. I love it. I love it. But I do want to move into our next part of our episode here, okay. uh, and that's called Roundtable. You now have the chance to ask us questions, put us on the hot seat. So take it away. I guess my question to both of you is being entrepreneurs that are on the track, right? You're on the track for success. It's, I can see it. You know what I mean? Plain as day and other people can. 
that have been on your podcast that are watching your podcast. How do you balance making it without forcing it? You know, you got to find your way without force your way. That's mm -hmm. what I've been talking about the most today is like, how do you find your way without forcing your way? How do you find that balance in your life? Honestly, I don't have the answer to that. You know, I think that's something that you're always having to rebalance because there's always new things that are going to be thrown into your life that are going to knock you off of your routine, you know? So when you are trying to find a balance, it's really about a lot of the things we've talked about, you know, communication with your spouse or whoever you have your, whoever you share your life with, but then at the same time, making sure you're not taking on things that don't fit into what you want to do. Right. And I found myself in the place where I wanted to be involved and it is the reason why I've been able to meet so many people. But at the same time, there comes a point where you don't have to do everything. You don't have to go to all of the events. You don't have to do right. all of the things to, to feel like you're doing something, you know, because at the same time, when you go to everything, there's a loss of value in that too, mm. because you become too accessible, you know? So there's, a fine line between those things. The balance, I don't think there really is ever a true balance, you know, at mm -hmm. least for me. But yeah, what what yeah. do you think? You know, for me, I it's something that I changed a few years ago uh, when I got into my sales professional career there. And it's when you force something, someone will ask you a question, right? Say you don't know the answer. Most people who don't know the answer are right away, they're like, I need to come up with an answer. I need to come up with an answer. And it's forced. And they're typically wrong on the answer right. because mm -hmm. they don't know the answer. Yeah. But when you find, you know, when you find that way and you truly, you know what, I'm going to take a higher level on this here and I don't, I may not be able to answer your question, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to find you the answer. And so that's the same exact thing in life. If you continue to try and force things that you don't know how to do, right. then of course you're, you're going to fail. I mean, at some point you are going to fail and at some point you may even be like, all right, that's it. I'm not going to continue to progress forward. But if you find that way and in life, you're like, all right, well, I may not have the answer to this right now, but I can find a way to continue, continue to progress and move forward. That's how you continue to build. And if you continue to build, then people are also going to build with you. And that's how they make empires. Yeah. I think the, with the not forcing stuff, it's about patience. And that's for me, sometimes is one of the hardest things, you know, and that's tapping into your feminine energy yeah. as well and not feeling like, oh, I got to make this happen right now. Sometimes, like, I even have to talk to myself, like, yo, like, why do you feel like you have to be doing something? Just right. chill, you know, just chill a little <sighs> bit, like, relax, bro. And, you know, I think we all could use that advice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That actually leads into my other question for you guys is, uh, in this fast paced idea of what an entrepreneur is trying to do, mm. how we're all trying to overcome and, you know, overstep the poverty levels, change the statistics. How do we show patience and, and persistent patience at that? And I mean, how do we have persistent patience in the moment within the time, knowing that we're doing the thing? You know what yeah. I mean? Cause that's where the persistence come from, but then to be patient in that. And I'm not talking about just sitting still. Right. It's knowing, you know what I mean? Like, how do y'all do that? Yeah. You know, that's also a very good question. Just as far as the patience in life and just really trying to figure things out. It's truly knowing that you don't know everything. You, you don't have everything figured out. So my patience comes from 
okay, you know what? I want to be better at this skill. Well, guess what? If I want to be better at this skill, that means I'm going to have to continue to do this skill over and over and over again until I can say I'm a professional at this. Right. There's so many times in life that people think that, you know what, if I do something, I should just get rewarded right away. Right. And so I try not to think about that. And so whenever I'm, whether it's my work, whether it's this podcast, whether it's interacting, you know, socially or anything like that, I always try and just think, all right, take it one step at a time. If I take it one step at a time and I continue to take those steps sooner or later, I will be successful at it. If I don't and I try and run and sprint directly to the finish line, I'm probably going to, I'm going to slip. I'm going to fall. And make so, a bunch of mistakes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that. I think there's a few things and I wrote them down here as I was listening to Quan. I think the first thing is introspection. You know, like you have to start to understand yourself. You have right. to uh, start to understand like, you know, it's the simplest thing of like when you have that feeling in your chest and you know you're supposed to say something, you know, yeah. like those are signs. Your right. body's telling you like, okay, you have something that you need to get out. You need to start learning your body so you can understand exactly where you're at. The next thing I, I, I thought of was counsel. Like you mentioned, like using the people around you. Stop right. feeling like you have to do everything on your own. I think that's the biggest mistake of any entrepreneur is probably feeling like they have to do everything and that they can't delegate. And if you're not ever going to be able to delegate, it's going to be hard for you to really scale your business because if you have to be doing everything, you're always going to be working, you know, and then you're not able to focus on different parts of the business. And then after that, it gets, and it's a lot with introspection, but it's like, depending on the person, whether you're religious or it's your faith or you're spiritual, like really diving right. into that because yeah. that's really where your answers are. And I see a lot when it comes to the native American culture and a lot of what's st- stuck out to me uh, about them recently has been quotes about silence and how they're okay with silence. Right. And most people cannot stand to be in silence for five minutes guilty you know and there's and there's a reason for that but there's so much that's going through your head and when you're able to learn how to filter through those thoughts and get all the outside thoughts out of your head and then really start to understand how you're feeling the things going through your head it's it takes a lot of work it really does but that that's where i would start for sure being the fact that i'm joining a new business venture right with a partner And again, this is, it happened fairly quickly and there's no doubts in my mind that it's not a perfect pairing, right? Because it just makes sense. And it's made so much sense that we're like, this makes sense. Let's do it. So in discussing a business with a partner, Mm -hmm. like, and you got a couple of them, right? Like you got different partnerships with people. How do you guys, how are you partners? How does that work? How, How do you see the business going? How do you discuss growth? How do you discuss even this time thing that we ran into, like, how do we, yeah. like, it's okay, but it's, it's okay, but it's not okay, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, how do y'all balance those decisions? Uh, truthfully, I think it's a level of understanding. Um, respect. A level of understanding, respect, as well as communication. Okay. Um, and there's going to be times, of course, in this business partnership that you have where it's like, man, 
I probably should have communicated this better. Right. You know, and, and everyone has that in any, any partnership, but it's, it's manning up or, or any, whatever you want to call it, right. you know, stepping forward and being that bigger person is like, okay, I may have done this wrong, but this is how we're going to fix it. Because at the end of the day, in any partnership, you don't want it to fail, especially right. a business. And the only way that it is going to fail is you, if you get this huge ego and you're just like, it's my way or the highway, right? right you know, right. and so that's how people fail. So I think just with you getting into a business partnership and whatnot, I think you just have to understand that the communication to anything, it's key. It's just like a relationship, right? You know, it's, it's something that you guys both will have to work on. Um, it's something that Zacchaeus and I work on daily, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something that just goes away. So true. I like that. I think it's like, yeah, I mean, he hit the nail on the head with all the, he said, and you know, it's like a, re- it's literally, it's a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like you're literally in a relationship with somebody and you can think of your own personal relationship with like your wife or, you know, your friends or whatever. There's going to be times obviously when you're not seeing eye to eye on things. And I think the biggest lesson that I've learned through it is there's a couple things actually you're on the same team, mm-hmm. you know, like we want the same goal. So like, figure it out like don't and he said it's ego a lot of times it's all it's going to be your ego Mm -hmm. it's getting in the way of yourself every single time right and i think when you're able to get through those things and get through those hard conversations you'll see that those things won't pop up as much you won't have as many and as many conflicts when the conflict that needs to be addressed has been addressed and you guys are past that you know what i'm saying so it's definitely something that it's just like you said it's always a learning experience but i think you need to have trust and the the other thing that i think is you need to have the mindset like you need to be all in like if you're not all in there's no point in doing it like if you're not all in right it's not gonna happen exactly um and fill the time or something right (laughs) Right. no and there was a point where i felt like we were still doing this podcast and even at the beginning and i were doing it but i didn't always feel that i was always bought in personally Mm. as much as i am now you know because i'm completely bought in and it to get to that point took us going through arguments and stuff Mm -hmm. Absolutely. In a conversation of like, hey, look, we're doing this. We're putting this money into this. We're trying to build this because we see the vision. You need to be bought in or like there's right. no point like at all because right. then and we're yeah. just wasting our time. So mm-hmm. put your that's money where question. your mouth is. You know it is. Like, and that's not just money financial. That's everything. Yeah. You know your I mean? resources. You be present. Like uh, your time. Yeah, yeah for sure. Definitely. There's a lot of things that go into it and it's hard. That's why so many people fail. But. If you really have the common goal and you really believe in it, you know, you can do that shit. Right. And I ask these things because it's it's more of a, again, it's a counsel. Like, if you already know, why should I have to go through it too? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I explain that to my kids the most. I'm like, bro, like, they're like, why you got to be like this? I'm like, well, why would I let you go out there and get hurt or yeah, put yourself yeah. in a position when I was already in that? Mm-hmm. And if you just understand that I was there and, you know, we take away the fact that like, I'm just some old man that you don't, I don't get it. But when we really talk about the fact, like, look, bro, like before the crosswalk was there, I was across the street. Now there's a crosswalk. Let me show you how to get there. Right. Yeah. You get across safely. So Absolutely. You know, you've you've had so many gems uh, in this episode here and so many 
learning experiences that other people are going to hear and truly learn from it. And so I do have to ask just for just a couple more there. And that's, Mm -hmm. can you tell us, you know, the five tips, tricks and hacks and overstepping poverty on what you tell yourself or even maybe what you tell your kids. The first one automatically that I learned from uh, grandpa Dwayne, he said, don't be around the influencees, be around the influencers and watch how your life changes. It's a big deal. And then be around people that are willing to show you the way if you're willing to learn. Mm. You know, that's a big deal. Uh, like we mm. talked this morning, closed mouths don't get fed, bro. So if you need something, ask. But understand what you're asking. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, the worst you're going to get is a no, right? right? But if you understand what you're asking from them, I think it'd be easier to ask that question. Right. Like, well, what are you actually asking for? What do you want? Yeah. And and if you can be like, well, you can be clear with that, then it's not an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, Find your way, not force your way. That's the biggest thing I got. And I feel like my last one is persistent patience with a patient urgency. That's been my thing, bro. That's been literally rocket ship the whole time. Like, all gas, no brakes. Mm-hmm. And I got, even my mentors are like, bro, slow down. I'm like, no, 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 It's not, I'm not chasing the next thing. I'm chasing the thing that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know I mean? I'm not for the next thing because I already see my future. Right. I've, like I said, I've spoke this into existence multiple times. Yeah. Like everything I've said I was going to do, you take away the distractions and I'm working on them, right? We're right. still working on distractions. Everybody has them and I'm still working on them. I'm still fighting a thousand different addictions that I didn't know were addictions because I was actually addicted you know what I mean? But now it's, damn, caffeine's serious. Right. You know, scrolling's a serious thing. You know, being a procrastinator is huge. And that's a lot of people's downfall is that you think that you don't have enough time, but you're not given the time right. into a proper space, right? And these are all things in, that I've learned through LOT, you know, and yep. giving that push or giving that idea that this shit's teachable. Like, you can learn it too. I think that's my biggest go-to for everybody right now is like, it's out there, bro. The information's there, especially in our community. It's there. Like, mm-hmm. just reach out. You know what I mean? Like, there's not one person that I haven't bumped into yet that's been trying to gatekeep mm-hmm. how to go out and grind and be successful and to be positive. And yeah, but most people will tell you that there's this person that's holding you back and holding you back from yeah. being able to do whatever it is you want to do. So, and no one wants to hear that. For everybody <laughs> out there with that mindset, get out of that victim mindset, yeah. man. It's time yeah, to make the change. Yeah, because the only only person that's holding you back is you. Every time. Again, because if you have to make the choices, right, you can't get up early if you stay up late. It's simple. Like, mm. give yourself an understanding that mm. you have to sacrifice something to gain something else. You know right. what I mean? And if we live in these terms of you know, develop yourself personally. You don't got to call it personal development. Right. Just develop yourself, bro. And then that's what it is. You know what I mean? If you giving them a whole motherfucking bro, book, I swear boy. to God, like <laughs> I wish we had more time because, <laughs> like, this is where I wanted to be in this zone. Yeah, yeah. like for real. again, my my childhood it is what it is, and we can talk about that forever. And me developing my story is great, but showing the world, bro, not even just our community, right? Our world, like, yeah. It's out there. We're, yeah. Our voice is heard now, and we're going to be the generation. Like, us as colored men, bro, we're going to be the ones that be like, look, mm-hmm. you can do this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, That's facts, man. That's, that's facts. I think we end it right there. Yeah. Let's go. Appreciate Let's go. You. That was Absolutely. Great. Well, yeah. thank you so much for being on our episode of Overstepping Poverty. John, you have honestly 
the vulnerability to just be on the the podcast and tell your your true whole story. It's definitely appreciative, you know, from all of us that are listening, from us that are here, um, for those of you that are listening as well, uh, with his new business and whatnot, you need to reach out, learn some things there. Uh, also reach out to us as well. We have OSP productions here, or we can also provide a podcast experience to you. So we'll see you guys next week on overstepping poverty. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Overstepping Poverty. We hope you found this week's discussion informative and thought-provoking. We know that tackling poverty is a complex issue, but by working together and understanding the root causes, we can make progress towards creating a more equitable society. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe to our show. Until next time, let's take the next steps in Overstepping Poverty.